Yeah. Actually, I don't think BQB is like 156. No, I think we, we maybe we might be talking like that. You never know because things is be crazy like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm opening up this part, sucking up. Well, pause. But enjoying a lollipop. And this is a very euphoric feeling. <laughs> the chomp boys. <laughs> so the OG ones. The OG ones. They one. seem small little. Probably we were smaller back then. No. Have you heard of shrinkflation? Yes. Where like this is what I feel like because ain't no way. Uh, I feel like they're smaller. I wish I, somebody had one from like back in the day. Yeah, because I actually I was trying to remember that term the other day when I was comparing um like stuff like toilet paper or like napkins where if you look at certain sizes and counts from like probably let's say even ten years ago and compare it now with certain price points and things like that. So they because they uh, manufacturers often do this so they don't hike the price, they just mm-hmm. give you less for the mm-hmm. same price. Mm-hmm. But make it I mean, but they're still hiking the price. Yeah, but it's <laughs> they try to cut on both ends, almost like you know, we just take the brand of everything. So, life, life. <laughs> so, welcome to another riveting episode of Everything Cool. Yeah, we don't want to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. The tourists come over to chill on the beach. But they don't come over the hill where we sleep We got nightmares and they got fantasies No sanity, it's just insanity My mommy hoping nothing happens to me As I'm recording this, this is We're in Psycho 5 Because I haven't put out one of these in a minute And I'm going to save this special guest for after the anniversary Okay Um but you know, I've been gone for a minute. So you've still been seeing different things, but we had to start Psycho Five off with a bang. And we have a special guest in the building. Please introduce yourself. Extreme close up. No, you're an extreme close up. <laughs> wow. Hello, everyone. My Rate name. the tip. Rate the camera too. Two. Right down. <laughs> oh, hello, everyone. My name is Micah Smith, aka Bahama Hoop Yogi, aka the gal who got bitten by the guan on the Iguana beach, gal. aka a loving, caring yoga teacher mm, and herbalist. The herbalist. <laughs> so, how do we begin? But before we really get into anything on Erin Cole, we always have the special segment called the Bahamian word, phrase, or saying of the day. Okay. And we always give that to our guests. So, mm, I got the best one. Ah, uh, go ahead. Hot out of Cat Island. Well, okay, what's well, that supposed to mean? <laughs> My family from Cat Island, so I realized that a lot of Bahamian islands, if people are like from there, from there, your grandparents or something, or your relatives, they say some things that people from other islands don't say. Um, and some of it is very crazy. Mm. So my mom was talking to me one day, and she was like, I was just talking to her about this situation and she was basically, it was just something I got myself into and I was trying to get out of. And she was like, well, you must know, you must have pot to cook your nanny goat liver. What? You must have pot 
to cuck your nanny goat's liver. So nanny goat is a female goat. Oh, okay. Yeah, because from the African word, nanny meaning mm-hmm. queen and things like that. Yeah, okay. Because like you, I, I was thinking of being like, and they used to eat, they used to eat goat liver. I don't know uh-huh. the rest. It's still confusing to me to this day. But I actually have no a note in my phone where I write all the crazy things my mom and my grandma and my aunts say. Well, I shouldn't say crazy, but it's just so interesting to me, like Bahamian culture and the way we talk, and it's just like sometimes they'll just say something, and I'm just like, excuse me. What can you? We gotta backtrack. What does that even mean? Just like my people's calling people, I don't know how to perfectly describe this, but they call someone a flood box. A what? A, a flood box. Okay, let's try. <laughs> I don't know. What does it mean? I know. I'm not, like you just basically a clown. Basically, another word for you a clown. Is that like? Because then you know, like also, like I feel like families have their own language too. So yeah. is that like a family language or? I mean, it probably is. Because in, in my family, we have a family language. You call it a goose. A goose. A goose. So uh-huh. like, let's say, this is what the definition that I came up with. Mm-hmm. So it's when you assert something to be true and you, it's not and you're wrong. So that's a goose. Right. Uh-huh. So it could be, it could go from just asking, saying, I know you didn't drop that off. And you could be like, yes, I did. You have a goose. Or... Like you park somewhere usually and then you go there, but then you didn't park there and then someone sees and they're just like, you have a goose. Mm, so is this like a derivative of a duck, duck, goose? No. Oh, I, okay, I, I so when, when my mom was in college, mm. she had a professor who used to say something about your goose is cooked. Yeah, that's the thing. Your goose is cooked. like mm, yeah. Right, but then... Somehow it just evolved into this. Mm. So my mom brought that back home from college, and then I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I just met it going on, and like it gets really intense. Uh, like people hate getting them. Getting a goose. Yeah. So like, you know, like it gets intense. Mm. So leave it at that. <laughs> okay. So tell me, like, obviously you. Would you say, I guess you're a yoga influencer, you're like to the outside okay. world or whatever? So I don't even consider myself an influencer. Uh-huh. Okay, don't do that. Now, before we get into <laughs> that, I whatever the world think, but I want to, let's go, let's take it back. Take it back. Back in the past. Like, tell us about like, you know, coming up, being a Bahamian, black Bahamian girl, you know, like they say, like they say, uh, barefoot. <laughs> Island gal. <But> I really was. <laughs> no joke to this day. So tell us, like, you know, how you came up. What was your early beginnings? Like, you know, high school years, college years, all that good stuff. Um. So growing up, uh, grew up in Fox Hill. Stayed there till I was about seven. Big Fox Hill gal. Big Fox Hill gal. <laughs> you'll see it. You scroll through my page long enough, you'll see. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then my mom, so basically I grew up with a single parent, my mom. Mm. My mom is my everything. Mm. Like today we were just talking about how I had done a project on the rainforest and we had gone on a cruise and they had like a tubing through the rainforest Mm. and there was like an influx of waves and my mom literally like almost drowned. (laughs) Like, no, no. it's no, it wasn't funny. Like it was so traumatic. Wow. 
Like, we were just talking about that today. But I mean, at the end, like when we got home that night and we were at dinner upstairs on the Lido deck of the Carnival, <laughs> Carnival Cruise. Ridiculous. But yeah, can you imagine going on a cruise right now? I just consider them incubators, but that's a separate story. I have never been on a cruise, actually. You know, during COVID, people were like going out to sea and like dying, getting COVID, having to stay in their rooms. Oh, wow. And they wouldn't let the sea- the ships come in because the ships were riddled with COVID. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. I would never go on a cruise again, but I'm glad I my, like I did it with my family. When we could. Anyway, back to the story. So my uh-huh. mom like hits a current, hits this wall, goes under, can't see her. Some people grab me and like pull me off to the side and I'm there and just watching like people pummel over and over and over. Uh-huh. And like, I can't see my mom. And it was so stressful and I was crying. I just, it was just, I was like nine or 10 maybe. And it's still like one of the most like traumatic, traumatic memories. Let me see. Yeah, my heart rate is like 102 right now talking about it. Wow. It's it's so, it's, yeah. I believe it. <laughs> but anyway, I yeah. say that to say my mom is the greatest yeah. mom to ever do it. Mm. If I'm half the mother she is, then I'll be a great mom as well. Mm. So, yeah. My mom, she raised me. We moved out of Fox Hill because I had asked her if we could move. And um, she was like, for my seventh birthday, we'd move. And by my seventh birthday, we moved into our new house. Um, I went to Kingsway um, Primary School. It was a good experience. Being trained in the Kingsway? It was a good education, <laughs> though. It was good. Now, oh, yeah, I grew up in church. I mm. went my Church of God. My um, So you were just... You chilling, Mel, now, but on any given Sunday, you were stumping and clapping at. <laughs> that's, that's a very complicated story. Oh, man. But, okay. um, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, I believe in God for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. Yeah. But there are just some things that don't line up, you know? Uh-huh. And, like, I just don't like... The, all of the division in the religion. Mm-hmm. You know, like why we have like 31, Multiple why we have 31 sauces for Jesus. Everybody uh. just dip him in something different. Because it's a business. I saw this comedian. He was like, yeah, they have like 31 flavors of Jesus. And then he was like, you ask the Protestant if they're a Catholic or a Catholic, if they're a Protestant, they're mad as hell. And you ask them the difference. He was like, we believe Jesus carried the cross a little higher up his back. And I'm just like, bro, what? <laughs> And it's just like these little nuances and then people just divide on them so hard. And there's just so much like hatred. And then I feel like people weaponize Christianity. I mean, because it's a business. <laughs> so because if you, you break it down to, Hey, I know like let's say you start a company. I started a company. We started doing the same thing. But I'm like, I'm trying to outcompete you because I feel like how I do things is top tier. Mm-hmm. Obviously, my indoctrination to whoever is under me will follow suit to be like, hey, we want to recruit you. This is better. We do everything better. Mm-hmm. This is the way. And even mm-hmm. being in church, I witness like so much. ego like ruin 
good things. Because I will say, mm. if you look at a church from a social perspective, you can see that it helps to distribute services. People come to the church when they're in need. So social services works through the church, you know, like child protective services, getting people mental health resources, housing resources, food. So it's, it serves a social function. Also, what people get some kind of relief. So it's like unburdening psychological load. And then it tends to be along, along the religious lines. I feel like the poor people tend to be in a certain religion, the more wealthy people tend to be. You have like certain- I wouldn't say that necessarily. I you, think they sorry. practice it a little bit differently. Why I said it is- I don't know. Everything happens when everything goes. But why I said it is, because you would see people believe the same thing, or I seen this with a similar one denomination when I worked at a church. Well, like same denomination, but the more poor people operated a certain way, and the more privileged operated a different way. Mm-hmm. And it was two different ways, but y'all under the same umbrella. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I want to say they believe different. They just see the world different. Mm-hmm. It's it's the scarcity versus plenty, you know, mentality. Um, in sociology, they call it the culture of poverty. Mm. It's just like all of these things and networks. So like. Just the knowledge of knowing how to take care of what you have so you don't have to keep replacing things. Mm -hmm. Like, that's something that a lot of people who are in generational poverty kind of don't understand. Or even the importance of education, you know, by any means necessary. Because quite honestly, my mom and um, my mom and them, they grew up, you know, pretty poor. Mm-hmm. So my grandparents always pushed them, listen, education is the most important thing. That is what is going to alleviate your poverty. And so generation by generation, each generation has more degrees, more business, more success, more options. Mm-hmm. Because in the past, that's what was pushed. But like a lot of people who are stuck in that cycle of poverty you know, people will say, oh, well, they don't have the space to study. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you kind of understand that this is your way out for sure, for sure, mm-hmm. I feel like it's a different view. You know, it could change your mind, but it's it's a mindset, right? If you have to break their mindset, mm-hmm. you, people have to change their mindset about what is wealth and how to acquire it and how to change your life. Like, I feel like everybody hooked on these get quick get rich quick because they they people know we don't plan for the long term we just want everything right now Mm -hmm. so it's like like i always say right like if we would sort of be a little bit socialized better in our youth a lot of things that we have to unlearn in our 20s wouldn't have to happen and we get to use that energy to focus on something else Mm -hmm. so you know that always just goes back to i guess how we do things as a society and it's not nothing is really fully planned all the way through and that's why you have a bunch of adults today still trying to figure it out mm-hmm. so so you went to kingsway mm-hmm. you left kingsway you went to six. okay what school you went to after that st Anne's. okay how was that it was rough <laughs> why you said 
Because most of the people who were in the high school mm. had all gone to the primary school together. Mm. It was just a couple of us who came in. Oh, man. I, I had so many, like, looking back on it, mm. and looking back on how I was, I had so many experiences that traumatized me, and I'm not talking like, let me think of traumatized you. Of course. So, for example... I go on fooling because my cousins them got that good hair. Mm. I mean, when I say that, forgive me. I mean, they have soft attached to hair. Mm-hmm. I could take more. I have like four C hair. And Typical they, black woman. Mm-hmm, yeah. Typical, and I they we sprayed this sun and thing that was obviously something for Caucasian people in our hair. Oh. <laughs> Their hair like. Change color in the sun. Mine changed color in the sun, and then it started to fall out. Oh. So I was, like, losing patches of hair, and I had to shave my hair in grade 8. So, like- <laughs> so, so you had your big... A lot of girls... I like that you bring it up, because I always used to wonder. I'm like... I wonder if people understand putting all this product in their little girl's hair young. They're going to have to eventually do, like, a big chop between that, that 7th to, like, ninth grade time where... Because I see a lot of people go there. Yeah, I have this product, man. My hair keep on falling out. Big chop. And then it's like, I got to grow from scratch. So that was, I guess that was that occasion for you? Um, well, I had that occasion like twice in my life. Okay. But, that's, but that was that the first was one. one. That was forced. Mm. Not an option. No choice. Because I went to the hairdresser. I was like, what can we do? She was like, you have to cut your hair as short as the shortest piece. And I was like, how short is the shortest piece? And she goes, oh my girl, what? She shaved, just cut off my hair. Mm. And that was a Tuesday and Wednesday. We had class. Um, we had mass. So it was, I went to see Anglican school every Wednesday. We had um, mass upstairs. I tried to hide. The senior master found me. I won't say his name. <laughs> and he made me go upstairs. And not only did he make me go upstairs, he made me go through the front of the hall. So everybody was looking directly in that direction. And it was dead quiet when I opened a door and I stepped in. And literally somebody said, Bite! Like a bowl of hair! <laughs> and there was like a roar over the whole school. And that man still made me go in there and sit down. Wow. My guidance counselor described me as the one who came there with fire under her. So, like, those kinds of things just made me, like, I was fighting and, like, being mischievous, getting in trouble. Still doing my work, though, because my mommy would have killed me. Literally. Mm. (laughs) But it was, like, you know, as someone who has been bullied during the high school era, like, it make you out with, like, tough skin, but it make you look cynical at people. Yes. And then... Because, and then college don't make that any better when you leave here and start living with complete strangers with different cultures. Because it's like, then you go on those occasions where you beefing with your roommate and this it's just an everyday tension or whatever, like, you know, until like you just trying to get through the semester. But I mean, it's like you can be living in the house beefing with the people you live with. It's yeah. like, and that's why 
last year I lived by myself and it was such a rejuvenating experience. Mm. Um, just being in your own space, not having to worry about, not even that every time it's contentious, but just like being with somebody who in their certain energy and then you in another, it's just like, sometimes it's just the vibes just don't connect. connect so. Especially if you just like to get into the zone to where you zen on and don't want to feel bothered by just the world in general. You want to feel like incubated. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you a deep hibernation. Because that's something I always long for. I always say when I get old and retire, I ain't coming off the grid. Like you like I am I can still be alive, but you ain't about to find me I'm about to go on the island and get lost. Wrong. <laughs> Everyone who is close to me knows I've been talking about getting off the grid for years. That is final form, Micah. Yeah. With my dreads dragon and my farm and my animals. That's like end results. That's yeah. how I want to end my life. I want to die out there. Mm. You just find me in my rocking chair on the ocean. Yeah, because I like ever since, like, you know, uh, Going plant based and then learning how to backyard farm during the pandemic. I just like I'd rather be warm with nature. Like outside is a beautiful day right now. Mm-hmm. I don't mind like just being in the woods or being on a beach and just soaking it in. I think that's just because probably we how we age and then you because you as kids you always used to wonder, well, why Grammy them just to sit outside and just look. But then when you start going through life, you just be like, I ain't gonna lie, that's sweet dog. Just sitting like, you know, just in your thoughts, relaxing, chilling out. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So what so which year you graduated from Sinan? 2011. Okay, you graduated the year after me. Because mm-hmm. I remember seeing, I used to, you know, we, we all grew up in this era to where certain people is their familiar faces. Mm-hmm. You've probably seen them out in the barn. Obviously, we live in a small um, space. Very dark. Um, yeah. So it's like, you'll be like, oh, what school are you going to? Da, 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 da. Oh, you know, I see no blah, 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 like, you know, whatever the case may be. So which college you went to? So I graduated when I was 17 mm-hmm. and I didn't go to college right away. I moved to Costa Rica and I stayed there for two years and I went to language school and I like lived with different host families around the country. Mm-hmm. And then after that. In t- Why I feel like I, I remember that. You know. What? You moving to Costa Rica. I think I had you on Facebook for a minute. Or either. Yeah, but I was put my Facebook adventures are mostly Costa Rica. Because yeah. that's when I was, you know, I don't even know how Facebook works properly right now. Mm. <laughs> Which is probably bad, but it, it is, is what it is. <laughs> you feel me? So, yeah, Costa Rica was lit. I grew up a lot there, mm. learned a lot, saw a lot. Um, I spent a lot of time in nature, grew a deeper appreciation for nature because they actually have the most protected land per capita in the Western Hemisphere. Like while I was there, there was like 14 months of protest. Um, They parked up outside the House of Parliament. They didn't want them to deforest an area or... Something. They didn't want them to do something. And those people were out there camping tents, like not moving. And at the end of the day, they didn't do it. Mm. And so like they go hard for their environment. And then they have this concept of life called Pura Vida, pure life. Mm. So it's like 
you ask them how they doing pura vida how is the party pura vida like everything it's just it's just a concept of like living and enjoying and being and vibing and they don't work they don't live work to live or yes they work to live not live to work mm -hmm. no weekends they ain't doing all of that what do you mean no are you talking about working on weekends yeah mm. so i really like i liked living there it was nice and then you had to leave the country every 90 days to like renew your tourist visa so like i went to panama and i went to nicaragua and that was pretty those were pretty cool experiences um yeah but i really gained a deeper appreciation for nature and then i went to school in tennessee and i was right around by the Oklahoma. oh now that's how i remember because you know my brother who's your brother jamal oh yeah yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> i do know your brother yeah yeah and so um I was there and we were like by the forest. So mm. I spent a lot of time in the forest. And when I got a car, I spent even more time in the forest. Like there was a point where me and my roommate just moved out there for like a week. And so y'all lived in tents. Because mm -hmm. I had a friend, my friend Sierra said during the pandemic, she would just, since everybody was locked on, she would just go to the lake and camp on and go fish. And like, nobody bothered me. I, to myself, I think we as human beings need more moments like that because we don't really understand nature and everybody got on this tip when the pandemic happened, but it's like, we just supposed to naturally be living like this because that's how we was in the first place, especially us living in an island country where most of it isn't all the way developed. Like Nassau probably is the most developed island it is. and it still have... A large amount of greenery, and I, you know, even though I hate times where I see certain businesses cut down trees or they cutting down the pine forest to make this and that, it's like I um, still don't do you, know why they cut down the trees by the beach in Yamagraw. That yeah. will always baffle me. Well, how can put this? The East is finished because they, because I worked on campaigns with the Ministry of Housing and Environment as well as some subsidiary thing from them. Mm -hmm. And in 2021, we was working on, I think it was a campaign for planting more mangroves or, I think the mangroves was a separate thing and then the coastal erosion was a mm -hmm. different thing. And for years, I've been noticing, it's like, bro, the East ain't really got no beach in them. And I was like, coastal erosion? Coastal erosion because these stupid people built their house on the shoreline and slowly but surely, it eroded away. And there's other parts, like um, when you come around the bend by sunset on West Bay Street, that beach is eroded, but they put boulders to sort of stop it. But but the only thing that's going to stop it is the mangroves. Exactly. So, so everything else is just dumbness. Yeah. And I... So I used to work for an environmental-related company. Um, mm -hmm. I, I learned very quickly that people do not care. So that's the major issue. Mm -hmm. People do not realize that us losing our coastal line, like as much as we want to complain about illegal immigration and Haitians coming here, they're leaving because they're political refugees. We will be leaving because we uh, are environmental. Will be stateless. 
people. Because yeah. what people ain't selling off to foreigners or giving private companies ownership over, mm-hmm. be digging up, eroding. You know, like you can't even buy. It's so expensive to buy a plot of land in Nassau right now. Yeah, it is. And the thing is, we like as a country have poured ourselves out for the immediate gratification, like we talked about earlier. Uh-huh. And now we at a point where China pretty much on us. Uh, the government is be doing whatever you know mm-hmm. and can't be held accountable properly. And it's just like you talk to the average Bahamian, hey, I could just keep my head on, I could do my thing. It's like no one is. No, like the average behavior don't have no sense of urgency. And I understand like just trying to survive the day to day. But it's like if you actually were not so passive and, you know, try to be more involved instead of just taking a turkey, giving a vote. like And drinking rum. Oh, yeah. Going to a park party yeah. and drinking rum mm-hmm. with some chicken wings. Mm-hmm. Like. Is your future not worth more to you than that? And so for me, it's a burden, right? Because I don't want to leave the Bahamas, right? Mm. There have been opportunities that I have gotten to move and leave. And I just, I love living here. And, you know, people say it's ridiculous. It's silly, whatever. I don't care. Like, and. So what keeps you denying those opportunities? I will travel and I will go somewhere and teach, but I don't want to live somewhere else. You know what I mean? It, that's just it. I love living in the Bahamas. I love the environment. I love the way that when I work with Bahamian plants, I feel connected to all my relatives, whoever used that plant. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, for me, it's like the earth is mm-hmm. what keeps me here. Like, my family is what keeps me here. Like, being, I just love being in the Bahamas. I don't, there are things obviously that are annoying, that are overwhelming, that are inconvenient, inefficient. I mean, the list goes on. Most right? things are inconvenient and inefficient, including the people, but that's a story for that. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I just feel called to be here. Mm. I was supposed to move to London in April. Yeah, was it? No, you wasn't trying to be a lawyer. No, that no I wasn't trying to be a lawyer. So what you was going to do in London? So I work for um, this company. Mm. I teach at their retreats. Mm. Um, so I taught for them in Portugal and in Spain. No, they were like amazing experiences. And they want to open like more steady retreat company doing retreats around there as well as a movement studio so like they do hula hooping as well but i teach yoga um and they wanted to like do all of that in one and have me run the studio and teach all of their retreat classes but i would just live there and work from there and use the studio have my own clients blah blah blah, yada 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 but like as soon as I started debating like that, I started getting so many more opportunities here. Like the more I prayed about it, the more like God provided work here for me. And it's like the benefits really outweighing, you know, because I would have to approach your life, get reacclimated to a different space and then sort of 
build my name from the ground up and my reputation, which, yo, not that was so hard in the beginning. All right, this does not go too far. Oh, yeah, we went too far. No, 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 but we was good in a good ways. This is a great conversation. Because you brought two points where I was like, I forget I was supposed to do certain things at that point. So, drum roll. So after, well, I wanted to ask a question about, I, the back to your whole, we're going to be environmental refugees. I often think to myself, right, that I look at all the islands and I was like, bro, these ain't really been made for us to have a bunch of people on because most of them are wetland. What ain't wetland is either like especially in the southern islands is either like um salt reserves and things like that so it ain't much to where you could civilize it's resource rich yeah but it's not where we could put big communities and things like that so i think to myself are we really supposed to be living on these islands like was these islands really supposed to be heavily inhabited obviously we'd be in nassau super population dense but there's a reason why that no big time infrastructure was made on all of these islands. Not some, like, you I know. Mean, yeah. I feel like that's for multiple reasons, mm. though, right? It's like they wanted to centralize government so they could centralize power so they could get what they want. You know, now we, you know, that's how corruption is built, right? The mm-hmm. more concentrated the power is, the more control there is. So if there was actually a way that we can get, and I talk about this all the time as well. Hmm. I feel like there is such a need for us to have like local government, but like to the point where we like states operating and then the main government be like, a like federal. just eggs. Yeah. You got it. That's a, like, why, that's why is that a horrible model? I don't I think it's like, horrible, but they just be dragging their feet to do it. I mean, it made more don't, sense. Because it's like they don't want to. Why yeah. would they? <sighs> because, you know, you are people with antiquated ideas who hold all the power. Yeah, and they want, they, it's, that's how it's been from the beginning, and that's how they want to maintain it. So at the end of the day, you know, fun fact, I've never voted. I've never registered to vote. Mm. I had a kind of mind get on me for wasting my vote in the last election. I was like, yeah, I don't think I'd be voting any- again <laughs> because okay. it's like, oh, you can't waste your right. I'm like, bro, um, y'all, I already see the system and see the games. Y'all full of crap. They are like, first of all, they're both the same. And then the thing about it is I said I told you too, I would never vote. I'd rather pay money for a candidate to run for my issues when they get and they do my bidding. Because <laughs> I'm like, instead of wasting the vote, I'm like, I didn't see the games y'all playing. Y'all ain't, y'all trying to tell people play one way and y'all playing a different way. Why yeah. you have, you have, you have foreign investors have more hands in our electoral process than actual people of this and country. And that's it, right? Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, we do not have a democracy. We have the illusion of a democracy. Mm-hmm. And we don't have, no matter what, Wait, it's like every time I've watched any election or I've, you know, seen the process and it's just been based on emotion. And you you talk to a lot of young voters and they will tell you that they are voting because their family is PLP. That's it. Bottom line. Boom. 
Or I, they go, I promise something. Mm, yes. Yeah, so that's what I mean. And then we, we, we ask, why is that? But it's like. And it creates inefficiency because they give jobs to people who don't know what they're doing. But that happens because they know how to manipulate the masses. Because mm-hmm. the masses are not mine. They all care about how I can eat and how I can pay my bills. So mm-hmm. I can give you the most menial jobs in a hotel mm-hmm. just to say, all right, providing jobs. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, we're making stricter immigration laws. But. And I've debated current sitting MPs about this before. Yeah, you telling me do this and that and that, but it's like, bro, you can't tell me you what to fix the road and clean park and do this. I live in Stapleton, bro. I, I'm middle class. None of that. That's things you're supposed to do. Like, what exactly, like, legislation that you brought to propose to where I feel like you're doing a great job? Can't answer that. No, and it's just like the way that the I think the whole issue is the educational system. So, so Sir Stafford Sands was quoted saying that if you want to control the people, you want to keep them dumb. So mm. I think that the lags that we see in the education system are kind of intentional. Yeah, and that, now that you mentioned that specific name, he's the person that made Can the mark. Can we leave that name out? Can we go like... Okay. No, but I mean, it, it will mean it was also, that... Okay. I need to throw this away. <laughs> <You> go ahead. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but hi, now that you mentioned, that's the person that made the current tourism model. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense if he said that about mm-hmm. the education. Because then you have the low, edu- lowly educated people to stop the horrible job. Exactly. And that's how we get to. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. We had a time last night. <laughs> oh my gosh, I did have a time last night. <laughs> no, um, and then that's how, uh, so he's the one who built the current tourism model. And how do you get the staffing? You have to have people with minimal, you know. No, no skill. Um, they don't require much. But yeah, but switching up, get. No, go ahead. I forget what it was now. I was going to say something related to him. Oh, yeah. And I think so now I feel like we haven't broken that mentality of someone having to give us a job or working for someone that, you know, kind of stems from slavery. And so I think a lot of the hotels are like the new plantations, because if you look at the management in a lot of these hotels, they bring in foreigners, even if there are behemoths who are qualified to work these jobs. They still would bring in foreigners to do these jobs. I know. I I went to one for almost a three-year period. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't working there, but I ain't going to call their name because I know a lot of the execs. And they're going to be like, Justin? <laughs> no. Let <laughs> me have a word for you. Anyway, so one of the things I wanted to do, I wanted to play... Um, you ever heard Mark Diamond's song, Hula Hoop? 
Ula, 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 ula. Yeah, so that's a, that's a school dance song I wanted to say dance, you know. I know. And I was like, bro, I was supposed to buy a whole hula hoop because you was coming in. And I was like, I, I don't know how that slipped my mind. I just remember now when you started talking about hoop. But let's talk about this name, Bahama Hoop Yogi. Because when I first saw it, I was like, I saw, you know, obviously everybody knows the world famous Baha Yogi or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, does someone make a fake page or something? And then I was like, okay. I clicked on it. I said, okay, there's another yoga gal. But I think she looked familiar. And then it, like when I read your name, I was like, okay, I see now somewhere around. But And then I saw like probably a couple of years later, you had Baha'i Yogini. How am I pronouncing her? No? Yeah. Okay. So I was like, okay, well... I mean, I guess it's a whole whole thing. And then that's when I started seeing more behemoths get into yoga. Because mm-hmm. obviously, a lot of things we, I feel like our generation brought is like things that was stigmatized mm-hmm. by the older generation. But we like, okay, we were hip with the times. That's mm-hmm. how the world movement. And we want to be more international, sort of competent. So we sort of bring these new ideas to the table. Mm-hmm. So- Explain that genesis. Why Bahama Hoop Yogi? And how did you get into the whole yogi lifestyle? Okay, so initially I I start my um my Instagram handle used to be like Island Gal. Um island.gal G Y L. And I had a roommate and she used to hulu. Hula, hula. <laughs> that was perfectly done. Yeah. And so she was like, oh, yeah, I have this hoop. If you want to learn, I'm learning. T- um, I'll show you whatever. So I started learning from her. And then I went to town and I bought a hula hoop from a local store. And it was handmade by somebody who lived in a town. Anyway, on Tuesday nights, this place called Aubrey's in the town that I went to school in. I uh, used to have two like two dollar pint night, like everybody used to go. Mm. So go to two dollar pint night. I see the guy from the store, and he's like, "Oh, this is the girl who makes the hoops. Her name is Sam. To this day, she is a dare friend of mine, and she's like a flow artist queen. Lives in Atlanta, hula hoops, all the things, fire dances. It's she's amazing. Mm. She taught me a lot that I know. Um, so I really enjoy. Um, I really enjoyed it. So just bought a hoop and kept going. Um, and then I spent like three years at Lee. I still hadn't, I think I still wasn't doing yoga at this time. I was still just hooping, I think. And so I moved to Germany. And then when I was there, I was like walking through the city center. I lived in a town called Freiburg. And I was walking through the city center and I saw this girl with all these hoops. And I was just like, what are you doing with all those hoops? And she was like, oh, I'm going to go teach a class. I was like, okay, can I come? And then I went with her and then I met all these hoopers. And then um, I made friends with the girl there and she became my really good friend. And we would hoop together all the time. And... Um, I just continued hooping. And then I got into yoga 
So I had done it a couple times in Costa Rica, but I wasn't really on a healthy trip down there. I was eating whatever, drinking all the time, like just living life. Just living life. I gained so much weight down there. I was like, I came up like almost one. I was like one ninety. To give perspective, I was wearing like size ten. And then you was down like to a size four. Yeah, everybody has that big face. I used to be mm-hmm. like two fifteen, <laughs> and like when I first moved back home in twenty seventeen, it was like nah, I gotta get down to like one eight. Bro, in Costa Rica, they feeding you five starches at dinner. Wow, beans by themselves, beans and rice, mm-hmm. potatoes, and a pasta salad. And it's like, bro, what? <laughs> Why do I need a with, with like? And they have like bread. Also, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. But it was good, though. I used to eat it all. <laughs> so I ended up in that position. Um, but yeah, I, I just met a lot of people. Hooping really connected me to people when I traveled. Even to this day, I went to Ecuador like in 2018. And I had my hoops. Um, well, I have a hoop, a travel hoop, a double sound. I had mm-hmm. on my backpack. And um, I saw this, this girl saw it and she came. And she like pulled her hoop around and like we immediately just started like talking and hooping in the park together for like an hour. Wow. And like, so it's like a whole community, like it's a safe community as well for the most part. Mostly the, uh, <clears throat> hold on, you got to watch this. <laughs> just like any community, yeah. you have issues. So when the, the uh, when George Floyd was killed by the police. It sparked so much drama and so much so much necessary conversation, but also people, a lot of white people in those communities were so triggered because they felt like they should be exempt from like the idea that they could ever possibly be racist. Why? That's what I could understand. I mean, I could see that happening because. I'm in a special community. If you know, you know. <laughs> Hashtag. Hashtag cosplay. <laughs> oh, so obviously, like, you know, because you, you get in these little small sects where people have, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's hobbies, but I would say they connect on doing things or particular, like whether it be like music or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be, some type of craft. Let me, let me put it like that. Where we all come together and united because we love this particular craft, but we don't understand. We don't ever discuss the, the other nuances, nuances of life. Yeah, of life. And sometimes those nuances affect how people are seen when they connect to the craft. Mm-hmm. So, for sure, you know, that's always expected. What, um, for sure. Um, and then, yeah, so I yoga came about in 2014. Um, because my aunt passed away January 8th, 2014, RIP and She was like my second parent. Mm. So I might say my mom was a single parent, but my aunt Bev assisted with everything, everything that I ever needed. Um, and so when she passed, it was really difficult for me like my mom would always say so she would never ask me who i loved more and i love my mommy <laughs> mm. you know what i mean um 
And so it was just really difficult. She died on a Wednesday, January 8th. And then the following Friday was her funeral. And then that Sunday, they sent, I got sent back to school. And right before that, I was diagnosed with SAD, so um, seasonal affect disorder, seasonal depression. Mm. And it was January, and my aunt had just died. <laughs> like, it was so horrible. I lost weight. I was having these chest pains that, like, the doctors couldn't figure out what they were. They were telling me, like, there was nothing wrong. Um, I was... Like not feeling hungry, not feeling thirsty, lost a bunch of weight, um, became a hermit. It was just a really dark time in my life. And it got to the point where my professor, Dr. Howard, my English professor, shout out Dr. Howard. She was like one of the only black professors in the English department. And she, I went to class one day and she was like, girl, what's going on with you? And she, I was like, I asked her why. And she said, she said, you look unwell. She's like, you look physically unwell. And um, I just started talking to her. And she told me that uh, she was going to walk me over to the counseling center because we had a counseling center at my school. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the counseling center and I started doing sessions. And I was doing cognitive behavioral therapy which is just whatever. Um, and so it was not effective. I was still like, at this point I was having suicidal thoughts, that mm. kind of thing as well. And so um, she was like, okay, well, we're gonna try like some mindfulness stuff. So we started doing like body scans. So I would lay on the couch and she would take me through different parts of my body, like, you know, bring your awareness here, feel this cool feeling in your hand or this hot feeling in your hand. And just it's just to help to reconnect your mind and your body, because sometimes, well, like later we found out it's called traumatic grief syndrome. So sometimes grief can be so immense that it sends you into total like shock trauma. So you suffer like victims of PTSD, you have flashbacks like Traumatic grief syndrome is carry on bad. It could cause rumination because you're like, oh, well, I could have done this. Or maybe if we had done this. Because the whole story is just sad, right? My doctor, my mom, my aunt went to this doctor and I will say her name, Dr. Chin. If you have a relative who is ill that goes to this woman, get a second opinion. So my aunt was, she was having issues eating. She didn't have any appetite. And instead of giving, you know, trying to figure out why she didn't have any appetite, she was telling her to drink and shore. And my mommy was like, if God wanted us to drink and shore, he would not give us teeth. And so we, you know, but she just trusted this doctor so much. Everything she said was just gold. Anyway, it got to the point where she started to lose all this weight so rapidly because she couldn't eat. And so we got a second opinion, come to find out she had lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And she had tumors in her stomach, which were making her feel full. That's why she didn't want to eat. And it was stage four when we found out. 
So it was just literally fighting to try and like get it, get it into remission. And like, obviously that just, that never happened. And so it's just, it was just uh, even like, quite honestly, if I let myself, I could cry about it right now. It is one of the hardest things that I've ever experienced in my entire life because my mom and I, she, my aunt also wasn't married. So like that we were always, always together. So me and her son are also super close because of that. Um, like he's pretty much my brother. And so we were her primary caregivers, did everything, you know, like I'm lifting my aunt, bathing her, all this stuff. And just at that point, I was going to a Christian university, you know, I went to Lee. So my mind was just like so indoctrinated into, I guess I shouldn't say indoctrinated, but I just had not had an experience that caused me to need to build a true understanding around grief in that way. So I just had this absolute faith that even while we were looking at her dead body in the hospital, that God could just bring her back to life. Like she, she would be fine, like no matter. And like when they zipped up that body bag and they rolled her out of the hospital, it was like, I lost my faith that day, to be quite honest, because it's like, okay, I had this faith. I did all the things on the checklist and like this still happened. And so obviously I've grown from there and I understand that there's a difference like between what we want and what is meant to happen. And what is meant to happen will always be the thing that happens no matter how good we are or how much we plead and bargain with whatever higher power we believe in. But I didn't know that at the time. So that was just, I just went into a downward spiral. So that made you go renegade. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, that made you go sort of renegade in a way to where you feel lost and stuck and you feel lied to your whole life. And it's like this shock. So, right. It was like a double shock. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing these uh, meditations and all this stuff with this lady. And I mean, like a weekend. I was like feeling sensations, hunger, heat. I wasn't feeling hot. I wasn't feeling cold, nothing. My mind had totally disassociated just to like, I guess the pain was so much because I was having like actual chest pains, like where I couldn't breathe. And it felt like my chest was like locked down. And so I went, I was talking to one of my friends, Royce, about it. He's a, um, one of my friends I met in college. And I was telling him about it. And he was like, well, you know, if the meditation and all that working so good, he's like, maybe you should try the physical practice. And I was like, yeah, I've done a couple times before, but I'll try it. And I went to this class and this guy's name was Raj. He owned a local studio in the town that I worked in. I mean, I, I went to school in. And he taught a class and it was a chest and shoulder class, but also chest and shoulders, like the heart chakra and a heart, right? And scientifically, they've recently discovered that you can, like your heart fibers can be damaged due to grief. Like you can experience literal heartbreak. And so like the ancient understanding of the energetics of the body, like says that the heart chakra is directly linked with grief. 
So like grief and loss, um, betrayal, those are the kind of things that affect the heart chakra, which is like all the things that I was feeling at that time, right? And so I was just like, at this time, I also didn't know this, but I go to the class and then we start doing these heart openers and we do this thing called heart bench or like uh, now I know it's called um, assisted fish or supported fish pose. So you put a block at the center of your back and you put one on your head and you drape yourself over. So your body literally opens forward and your chest is up, your arms are back. And I did that and my chest like cracked three times open and I immediately just started crying in the middle of class. And my friend was like, all right, girl, we got to go because you can't stay in here crying like this. So I left and I went back the next class and the next class and the next class. And each time I would cry, but it was a little less and less and less. And so like by the fifth class, he comes up to me and he's like, you know, I see you come here. Or like, what's going on? So I tell him and he gives me like super cheap classes at his studio for like the rest of the time I'm at in school. So like I did my master's and everything. So I went to the studio almost every day. And then I also practiced at school. So I was like up to practicing like six times a week. And I would also practice at home. And it was just, even just the focusing my mind on the physical aspect of trying to achieve these postures was also serving as a distraction in my downtime, right? So I just practiced and I post in so I've been posting yoga on my Instagram for years probably since since so, I started so just before you actually like put a name to it yeah so at okay, this time yeah. I was still just island gal or something and I would post all these things and I would participate in online challenges and so at the same time I was hooping and there was a small community of hoop yoga people um and there's this black lady what's named, the difference just um, the hoop or yeah, so using the hoop in the poses um, to, as like kind of like a prop. So how in yoga we would use a strap or a block. And you, with the hoop yoga, you use it to help you access different postures. Mm. Um, and also people, pra- people who do flow arts practice yoga because it just helps with general flexibility mm. and helps them to move better when they do their props. Um, so they somehow just merged. And so I started doing both of them. At this point, I hoop when I hoop and I do yoga more. <laughs> but um, I, st- I recently started like doing hoop gigs. Mm. So I work with uh, this company called Rhythm Studios. And name sound familiar. Yeah, she is really good. She is. She's for the artist, so that's what I love. Um, so I've had some really good jobs with her. We're going to start some shows soon, some light shows, so I'm really excited about that. Um, but, yeah, so at this point, I feel like all of my interests has merged to a point. I don't know when I became, when did I change it? So I wanted to just be hoop yogi, but that was taken. So I was like... I'll be Bahama.hoopyogi. Um, and then someone suggested that I take out the dot and just be Bahama Hoopyogi. I was like, okay. So then that happened. I would say maybe like 27, no, like 2019. Was it 20? 
I feel like that. Maybe I remember 2018. Yeah, yeah, maybe it's 2018. So 2018 became Bahama Hoop Yogi. Um, and then shortly after that, I got endorsed by two of the largest hoop manufacturers in the world, Mood Hoops and Hoopology. Shout out my sponsors. Um, yeah, so that was like super exciting. I loved that. Every year I get like a bunch of products, so new hoops and stuff. So that's always great. So take me through the process. Okay, so you start that. And do you feel, how you felt like the whole yogi scene was in the Bahamas? Because all you was, you got just started in the States. Nah, mm-hmm. bringing started- it home is a whole different beast. Well, the thing was, I didn't plan on teaching. I mm. never planned on teaching. I planned on coming home and using my degrees that I worked so very extremely long and hard for. Mm. <laughs> that was my initial plan. Um, <clears throat> and I just that just ended up not happening. It didn't work out. I had a job in my field, quickly realized that the amount of control that I wanted to have, I could never have working for someone. And it's not even a, a matter of control. It's just like, I I decided to go into nonprofit work because I didn't want to concede to the whim of large corporations. Like after I took business law, I totally dropped business. Oh, sorry, business ethics. Hmm. I totally dropped business. I'm like, I can't put my hands in this pool of blood. I would be, I would literally be taking a blood shower. Mm. Couldn't do it. And I tell my mom all the time, because, oh, so, so I have a god brother, Wave Lord. Shout out my god brother. He's an artist. Mm. <laughs> but he's posted some wild things on Facebook, like for, <laughs> forgetting that my mommy and my guardian or everybody be on there. So he posts on there, the price of Krabby going up. Black China makes wow. $6 million a month off OnlyFans. <laughs> right? And I'm just like, my mommy's like, well, why would, why would, why would Baron post something like this? And I'm like, well, me, because it's, I say it's cross, but it's true. I was like, do you know what OnlyFans is? And I had to, he had me made, we have to explain to my mommy what OnlyFans was. And like the dark side of OnlyFans. That's what I had to sit there and explain to my mommy. What is the dark side? You know? Hey, sex sex work is getting ripped off. Yeah, sex work is getting ripped off. And I mean, and people, I feel like... You know what? I'm not going to talk on this issue. <laughs> Next. Anyway, I had to explain to my mommy what OnlyFans was. And it just was unpleasant because my mommy is a Pentecostal Christian woman. Mm-hmm. And it just. She just was saying, oh, why does woman now selling sex? I mean, OnlyFans. Anyway, I ain't going to talk yeah, about we're OnlyFans. Not, yeah, we're not. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to get canceled. Sex work is work. Okay? Hear me out. I, I agree. Sex work is work. Okay, all right. All right. Just, just. <laughs> so, okay, so you came home after a while. I was, I, I, I mean, I think I realized that too when you're dealing with in the system of capitalism, um, it's in the word you have to capitalize and everything. So, yes. at some point, I gotta take farther for me to eat, I gotta take it off your plate. Mm. And so, you know. so okay. 
So I this is um this is something that I realized when I first started teaching yoga. A lot of the positions were filled by expats because back then it was really only expats that were into yoga, yeah. right? Even now, so when I first okay, so when I first came, when I first made the decision to teach yoga, I was actually teaching yoga at Wolf Club Fitness, but I wasn't certified. And Baha Yogi reached out to me and we talked for a bit back and forth. And she's like, you know, I would really like to support you, but you, I think you need, you need to be certified. Mm. So that December I went to Mexico and I did a yoga teacher training um, for the month of December, a 200 hour training. And then it came back. And I started teaching. So I started teaching. I was teaching at Wolf Club Fitness. I was teaching at with Theo. I was teaching at um, J Line Fitness. And then I was shout teach- out to J Line. Yeah, Jen is awesome. <laughs> shout and- out to Jen who watches the show. <laughs> oh man! And then I was also teaching at um, what other place? No, that was it. Oh, and then I ended up teaching at Gemi. Which Jim, hey, I was trying to remember their name the other day. What happened to Gemini? They just closed down and told me on the last day. Like I pulled up to class and they're like, "Hey, today will be your last class." Why? We're closing down. Yeah, because they closed down all the. You you had to know you was closing down before you started closing down. Anyway, sorry, a separate thing. Mm-hmm. So I was teaching at at those three places, um, and I lie. The pay was horrible, $25, uh, $40. Per person or? No, 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 for class. But wasn't you collecting the fee from each individual? If you, let's say you have a class of 20? So like if people come in. Yeah. Um. Yeah, if you, well, if people come in, I know, I just got paid. Even if people came to the gym for the class, they would have to pay for the class. But I would get none of that. I would just get... I set free because yeah, because of the I'm using the facility, blah blah blah, 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 blah. Yeah, okay. Oh my gosh! And then when I tried to have public classes, they're like so poorly attended. Because like people just, I mean, I just moved back home. Nobody knew me. Um, and then you're not that celebrity yet. Yeah, and <laughs> so it was just like it was really rough, and mm. so. What happened in 2020? I know that's a that was a rough year for everybody, but that's when like things started to really go up. Mm. So at this point, I had a private, I had some private clients, um, but I wasn't making what I wanted to be making as someone who stayed in school all that time. So I was just like, I want to, I really want to make more like money so I can do more things in my life. And so in 2020, a friend of mine who is also a yoga instructor here, his name is Craig Smith. He mm-hmm. called me up and he was like, I'm away for like the next few months, but um, Ocean Club needs a yoga instructor. And so he's like, can I give them your information? I said, sure. So they contacted me. I sent in all my stuff. And then I started literally like two days later. I taught because it was the pandemic, everything was closed down. So they usually get their teachers from the ashram, but the ashram was closed down. 
other no other trainers were coming there there was no other activity so every single day for like two months they had yoga and they pay like a hotel would pay you know for something like that mm. and so i realized i'm like okay so this is where the money is. the money is and so i just started to kind of shift away from the private classes or uh, from the gym classes mm -hmm. and started to move towards trying to get into more hotels, more member places where they wanted yoga as an amenity. So even if people came, if nobody came, if people, you know, showed up, whatever, mm -hmm. you still get paid. So that's like the best thing about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I also hooked up with Studio Ohana. Um, they had closed down their physical facility in the plaza because of covid but they opened an outdoor facility at orange hill and i started I, I had recently gotten certified in rocket yoga and so i started teaching a primary um like a the first sequence of rocket yoga i started teaching that um once a week there i think it was like a thursday or something and like through being in that chat this studio hana was run by a lot of um expats mm -hmm. Like there was one lady, she was Bahamian, who ran it. But she was Kunky Joe. And then the other lady, the other half was she was American. And then the lady who's in charge now is American. So the jobs that were in there were like jobs that were had by expats. So some people had left the country, they needed people to fill in, whatever. And so I ended up subbing for a class at Old Fort Bay and the ladies loved me so much that they wrote a letter to the club for me to stay. Mm. So that's how I got there. And then we were two days a week and then they ended up adding another day because they wanted to practice so much. So I was like, that was another consistent thing. And so I started to get more consistent jobs like that continuously, thank God. And... um. I just saw God do his thing. I saw him make rivers in desert and paths in the wasteland. And I am grateful for that because quite honestly, it's not an easy thing to be a full-time yoga teacher in the Bahamas. You know what I mean? It's definitely still on if that if you don't work, you don't make money type five. Um, working for yourself is hard. Waking up you know, I wake up at like sometimes 4.45, 4.30. This is my first client. It's 5.30, 6 o'clock. And I live out east and they live West Ridge. So it's it's a lot of being committed to myself. But I've also seen the work that I do with people and how it has helped them. And I've seen how it's helped me, you know, how the practice has helped me and I just want to help as many people as I can with the practice. So I decided I would step away from like the gym stuff for a while and the public sessions and trying to do that and just get more into um, trying to have these more like income shore contract things. Mm -hmm. And so then I ended up getting into Island House and then now I'm up to four classes a week there. And it's just, and then I ended up, I'm now I'm at MacFit and I teach twice a week there. I taught there today and I taught at Island House today. And I 
now that I have that consistency, my goal this year was to make classes more accessible for Bahamians. So like, even if I go there and people don't come, it's like no big bother to me. I wasn't super dependent on that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I have the classes at the Edmund Moxie Community Center on Blue Hill Road. Mm. So I don't have any overhead. You just have to contribute to like anything that they may need around like that, you know. And then, um, or like contribute to the community in some way. So I have one free class there a month. And so that's my contribution. And so like, you know, you, it's just nice, you know, there's no, it's just $10. Sometimes I have 12, 15 people. Sometimes I have three people like I did last night. Um, but I realized too that being a yoga teacher here is not like in the States where you have people who go to yoga like they just go to church. Mm-hmm. It's not the same here. People don't have that drive and commitment to I mean, the I don't practice. Think, but just that, but just with everything else, they aren't exposed to these various things. So when, like I say, our generation brought all kind of different crazy things and innovating stuff that typically you'd be like, oh, that's white people type things. Mm-hmm. Mamers don't do that. Mm-hmm. That will have that stigma. I mean, it's always slowly adopted. It's not even just Bahamians. It's, Black people in general, when they look at yoga, they think it's a white people thing. Because I have African-American women message me all the time and tell me how I've inspired them because they get to see someone who looks like them. You know Mm. what I mean? And so it's not just it's not just us. And I tell people a lot of the work that I've done over the years has been educating people on the benefits, on the importance, you know, on how to be consistent so you can grow and have results and find that center, that center space. So you can always come from a place of balance and equanimity. I tell people it's like this. Yoga brings you to a place of neutral calm, right? So we Mm. call it like equanimity. Mm. It brings you to this place where no matter when you respond, you're coming from this baseline so you see people, they erupt over the most trivial thing. And that's because their baseline is so fired up that anything could just set them off the spark. Mm. So the practice of yoga, the breath work, the meditation, the asana, the self-reflection, all of those things are meant to help us come back to... <laughs> is that a chicken? A farm right across. That's not just a right. It's meant to help bring mm-hmm. us back to a place of equanimity. So when we step into the world, we could be the change that we want to see for real. Because mm. we can actually come with a cool head. I'll give an example. I was driving through the parking lot. I was coming from Fidelity in Palmdale. Oh. And literally, I was just coming around. And this lady comes shooting out. And she slams brakes. And I'm just, I slam brakes also. So we didn't hit. And her daughter rolls down the window and she starts cussing me to pieces. And I'm just sitting there like, whoa, sis, are you okay? Like, I'm looking at her and I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, she's cursing. I mean, I'm I'm like, but seriously, are you okay? Like, for you to just explode like this? Like, you have to something. And people think that I'm trying to be a douche. Like, or facetious facetious when I'm doing that. But I'm literally like, if you busting like that so quickly like are you okay because something internal is going on that's not right 
Mm. And I like, I, I don't know. Yoga has. It seems like it makes you like in comparison to how you came up in life, it has calmed you over the years and made you. Yeah. And like the short time that my parents were together was tumultuous, fighting, arguing all the time. So like my dad also had a drinking problem. So like he could pull up to the house and immediately like my mom and I are like, because we don't know how we coming in. You know what I mean? And like just those things made me so, made me come from a place of turmoil. I was an inner storm. So when I step out into the world, all I could be is chaos. Fighting at softball games, almost getting my team throw out of BAISS, you know, like being so short fused, just ready to blow all the time, angry, um, wild. Just, I mean, I'm still full of energy and hyped up, but the person I used to be, the mean spirit I used to have, I just. I just know that being able to slow down and observe my thoughts and observe my actions and reflect has like really made me grow as a person. But that's a part of growth. That's a part of the evolution. It is. And yoga was my way of seeing, Uh, uh, getting to self-reflection. Because I mean, without self-reflection, we'll never see ourselves clearly. There's, um, oh man. Is it Charles Cooley, The Looking Glass, though? I think it is. So there's this sociologist. Mm -hmm. He looked at how children socialize. So he called this concept The Looking Glass Self. So you see yourself as others see you. So you base your, your value and your worth on how people respond to you based off the actions that you do. So we learn punishment, we learn reward, we learn what makes them laugh, what makes them cry, what makes them happy, those kinds of things. And then we look at ourselves through that lens, right? But he also goes on to say that these people have looked at themselves They learned about themselves through broken people. So they themselves are broken in ways. So when you look at yourself through their reflection of you, you're always going to see fragments and cracks. And it's just like looking into a broken mirror. You can't see things clearly. There's no clear picture. Mm. And so he says that when, as we grow, if we have stable, healthy parents or and stable, healthy environments, and we have good images of ourselves, we grow up to be good, stable people. But if we are raised by people who do not see themselves clearly, we in turn cannot see ourselves clearly. And that's why our generation is so drawn towards like psychology and self-help and all this stuff, because we understand that our parents, for whatever reason, didn't have the opportunity. They didn't I wouldn't have- say they didn't. Have the opportunity just wasn't conscious to know that they could be better. Yeah. That's how I like to put it. Now, you know. Yeah, that's good. Because if you really think about it, and I had this conversation um, multiple times. Like, you really, as you grow older, you just be like, my parents was just regular people who <laughs> didn't know what that. They, they just mm-hmm. was flying at the seat of their pants. Mm-hmm. So, to for people. And following the status quo. Yeah. So, for people who have, like, this animosity towards their parents to why their own lives 
you know, is the way it is. I'm like, bro, you gotta let that go. They didn't know what they was doing. You have to. You they were doing the best they knew how. how. Yeah. So, and that's what I tell people too. Like, my mom is definitely that person that worked for the same company forever. You know, mm-hmm. for the past almost thirty years now, and it has given us a good life. But at the same time, I, it was hard for her. Right, because she done paid up for me through school. So what am I doing? You know. So, but my mom, I told her today. I was like, even the times you couldn't look at me, you still tried your best to support me. Like you were so fed up with me not having work, hearing me on the phone, calling around, asking if this one need a yoga teacher, if that one need a yoga teacher. Dead end, dead end, dead end. Because COVID, like, she is so. Just to see her be proud of me now is also very rewarding Hmm. because I know that she put her everything into me being an independent woman that could take care of myself. And I, yeah, I'm just happy. Hmm. This is, man, this is great. Um, Huh? Nice. This is a great conversation. Uh, So was she proud of you on that fateful day? When you was one, yeah. When you was one with the earth. Now you know. <laughs> you know. No, because- Damn, customers are gone flying, oh, bro. No. So she didn't know about it. I didn't say anything because I wasn't gonna show it because I was like cussing like a sailor. Yeah. And somebody from her work texts me and it's like, "Congratulations on your viral video." I'm like, "Girl, how did you get my number?" <laughs> oh no. She's like, "I texted your mom." I was like, oh, so you, you told her? She's like, oh, she didn't know. I was like, you know, she don't know. You know your friend. Like, she ain't with this. this. Man. Anyway, so I, she asked me to send in a video. So I take the sound off. Yeah. And then I said, she's like, I can't hear anything. So I go, and I was like, listen, I got bitten by an iguana out of nowhere. I cursed a whole lot. Heavy ones. I was like, so if you want to listen to it, you can, but just know. <laughs> did you think that was gonna blow because no, i remember I, I, I saw the video when you first initially had posted it <laughs> like like okay first of all what was going through you like you were just practicing on the beach so it was so funny because at the time i was helping my cousin um because he owns waffle factory 242 shout out my cousin um, I was helping him manage at the time, and I was actually supposed to be at work that day, but I didn't go to work that day. I went. Uh, my friend, Renbert, shout out Renbert, the best caricature on the island, caricature well, re- drawer. Yeah, he's know. been on Every and Cool before. That's a good friend of mine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good friend of mine, too. Ren was a big part of me getting my confidence, and... Mm. Um, he always tried to create opportunities for me to, to have some. So we did like a spell of sip and stretches at Balmoral. Um, he would get me private groups to teach when he would like do drawings and we would have wine. It was just like, Ren is such a joy to this world. Mm-hmm. Love that man. Um, but yeah, he invited me to go. Um, he was doing some work for Bahama Boys. Kino those, they have a, a boating company that does excursions in all of the islands. 
So you the on your so did you get fired on your day off? No, I didn't get fired. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a crazy way. You you call out of work and then you have this viral video on the day you supposed to be at work. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And so no, I didn't get fired. Um, but I went to Exuma with Ren and Kinodos and this girl named Raven, who was the one who got the infamous second view. Um, but we went to the iguanas were the first stop like that was literally the first stop we hop off the boat i'm not gonna lie i antagonized one just a little bit i was like you want the grape no grape for you you want the grape no grape for you so you know maybe, big vendetta <laughs> big vendetta v v so um you know i i realized that uh, they were all crowding around where most of the people were for the feed and so I was like, I'm gonna get some footage. So I went, I walked down the beach, like far down the beach. And I thought I was safe. And then I'm just doing a yoga pose and I flipped my dog, reached my hand back. And then I just feel like this thing. I'm like, what the? And I turn around like, oh my God. And then, you know the. You know, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I feel like that's everybody's favorite part. That and I don't have any grapes, you ho. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, Even my mom was not happy. It. She was really upset about all the cussing, but she got over it the next morning. She was in there like, let's make some iguana mats. <laughs> yeah, because you um you actually did you get verified because of the whole press yeah i did because of all the press and it was so funny because mm. i went to language school in germany and one of my classmates was from seoul south korea mm. and he texted me a screenshot of the headline in seoul with me wow it was insane it yeah. was everywhere it was in the german news i had friends sending it from there it was in the indian news it was on abc it was on fox but what was really good about that video, this company called Storify in Dublin hit me up and they're like, hey, have you ever thought about licensing a video? And I'm like, what does that mean? And they're like, you license it. We get a percentage. You get a percentage. And my mom was like, what's the percentage? I was like, it don't matter. It's more than I would be getting for a free video all over the Internet. Yeah. And so, yeah, I licensed the video and I started like getting paid off of it. So that's like something to think about if you ever have anything that goes viral like find a licensing agency mm. and they will license the video and they will run people down and be like hey oh you use that run run her her check she needs to so you really just have people like y'all splitting the profits and they doing all the work and then you just get a notification on paypal that you get some money mm. so it's really good so that's my advice if you have a viral video first if you are I can't even. That was just something so off the wall. That was just like God. You can't, you're, gonna, you're gonna orchestrate that. You, I couldn't. God was just like, let me just you. Let me just. That's literally what that I was. I think that the, the next probably behemoth viral that come to mind is that my, that dude who was robbing the liquor store. I mean, just he going for <laughs> he went for the hand sanitizer security guard and he pulled out the gun. <laughs> Everybody was like, yo, that come, um, he pulled it out so smooth. Like, yeah, wait, I do this before. Like, he come with that and sign there rubbing the eye, and he just, like, <laughs> yeah. So, like, it, like, it was obviously, um, 
a part of my profession is like the social media marketing and advertising. So it takes a great formula for things to go viral and it has to be always organic. Like you can't force it. So yeah, but that's, that's good information to know. So didn't you make merch around the whole iguana? Yeah. So I made on demand merch. Mm. So I just would make again, just a profit off of a partial profit. And then they would supply the shirts, supply everything, cost it out based on like, they would tell you how much it would cost to make. And then you could determine how much profit you would want on it. And then people would just order it from the site and it would go direct to them. Mm. And then you would get paid virtually as well for that. Mm, oh, a celebrity. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, so I don't actually, even. I don't. I just. I. It's just happenstance. Mm -hmm. I had the, like you said, the right formula. A beautiful beach. Beautiful your, woman, hand in the air. Well, you know, and an animal. People yeah. love animal fails, and people hate on influencers and want us shit to happen to us when yeah, we're out in the actually, wild actually that is true because there's a whole page called influences in the wild i was on that page it, it had like 14 million views on tiktok wow it was insane it had like i don't know how many million views it has now on instagram but i still i mean on twitter today this day i still get hits on that every time i go on twitter every day there are hits on it it went viral again in december it made like top um, animal bites on a Facebook reel or something. Wow. <laughs> they put it on like some Japanese animal planet thing. It's because also it's like a rare thing for, well, the a rock, we, the rock iguanas we have in Nassau, in the Bahamas mm. and Exuma are indigenous, like just to us. Mm. Well, not just to us, but we're one of the few places that have them. And then they don't jump. That's not characteristic behavior of an iguana. And I just learned all this stuff. Um, because, you know, I was like, why, what is like, I'm like, why did I go to bed and wake up to like 2.2 million notifications on my phone? Like wow. that is never. That didn't make your anxiety like rush or like, how, how so did So I put my phone on do not disturb when I go to bed. So. Not talking about when you woke up in the morning. You oh, just saw, I just saw all these Twitter notifications and I'm like, what the hell? And I open it. And then that night, it had gotten like 10,000 views. And my cousin was like, if you don't want Mamita to see this, you need to delete it because it's about to go viral. I'm like, no, it's just going to like Bahamian viral. That's not like, bro, I went to bed. I woke up to 2.2 million views. And I was like, Mama, I'm famous. <laughs> All right. But also, like, it, it was on Reddit, and oh, Nine Gag had the worst, most racist comments. They were the horrible, those people on there are horrible human beings. But I didn't let it get to me because at this point, I had already been bullied into oblivion and came back, honey. Mm. <laughs> so I wasn't even like, I was just like, okay, um, you call me a nigger. Now what? <laughs> now what <laughs> like mm. oh boo -hoo, i'm so sad mm. every time you like this video every time you share this video and it goes viral again guess what storify hits me up honey so you say the iguana is protecting the well somebody's like the iguana realizes that uh the 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 Negroes will bring the property value down or something like he's oh he said he's the, the iguanas is doing the lord's work I'm just like, y'all are dumb. Mm. 
But, and also going to school in Tennessee made me more resistant to racist and racism. I know. I went, I was in Atlanta around that same time. Oh, when Trump was coming to power. That was a tough time to be in the South. I remember the day when he got elected and I go on in public. It was just this eerie feeling in the air. And then I saw this old white lady smile at me randomly. I'm like, it's because of you. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like y'all, y'all know what y'all did last night. Y'all know what y'all <laughs> did last night. Oh my god. Uh, well, yeah. Well, um, Ryan. So, what what's the next you have in store for the Sorry, people? Being bored. Um, the next thing I have in store, I want to get more public classes. So, increase oh. the access, the availability. Even if they don't take take it up, I want at least there to be more options for classes, um, public classes. Um, I will be hosting my first retreat this year with a Instagram friend, mm-hmm. um, Mel Douglas, a friend from um, LA. She started the Black Women's Yoga Collective. Um, so she actually focuses on pointing out the biases in yoga, the microaggressions, and how it can be damaging and unsafe for black women in these spaces. And then she strives to create exclusively black spaces for women to come Mm. gather, heal, learn, grow, those kinds of things. So we'll be doing that out in the islands. So I'm very excited for that. Um, And what else, what else, what else? Um, I didn't talk any about Last Island Gal, but that's my botanical company, which is, this is a generational plant called Rusticum in my family. It's healed generations of women. Um, just amazing, like experience with plants that we have. And so I have a company called Last Island Gal, formerly product-based, now limited products. So I just cut it down to about three or four things. Um, I kind of cut out the amount of consultations that I've been doing and I switch more to educational base. So I do like Bush uh, Caribbean um, herbalism courses online. So I am launching another one the second week in May. So you can head over to last at last Island Gal on Instagram to register for that. Um, the You can fill out the link in the bio. Um, and yeah, I just really enjoy sharing the information and product making for someone who has like two businesses is very tedious because I'm really trying to scale my yoga business. And then like the amount of time, like sometimes I'll have 40 orders for like a body butter. And if anybody out there be making body butter, you know, it is very time consuming, especially when you talk about adding like actual water to it it's just like bro um so i do want to switch more to the educational side which is has been really good i did like uh two runs of courses and people have really liked them i've had good attendance um they're like six week courses so that's been good i'm gonna work more towards that this year and just like taking more time to rest because i've been working really hard so just taking more time to rest and yeah that sounds great this has been a great conversation i just been sitting back listening as you are listening and watching now but thank you makia smith he called my name wrong (laughs) y'all
He called me Makia. M Y K A H is now Makia, people. I didn't say that, but forgive me. <laughs> Miss Smith, I thank you again for joining us on Everything Cool. and yeah. Micah. Oh, man, she did say that, Micah. Thank you again, Micah. Thank for you for ju- having me. Yeah, this has been, I just been silently, you know. It's listening. been like a roller coaster conversation. Yeah, because. It's definitely how my brain is. <laughs> yeah, but we, you know, it don't matter because everything cool still. Everything cool still. So thank you all for listening again. Follow Micah on all of our social platforms, yes. websites. Links will be down in the description. And we can see y'all again on another time of area. Cool. Yeah, you see. That was good. Yeah. <laughs>